I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 17, if you will. Matthew chapter 17. We'll look at a few verses here together. I'll start reading in the 14th verse. Let's begin with verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, what's this phrase? And they could not cure him. And they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This chapter opens with the great encounter of the transfiguration of Christ before his disciples. He's gone up to the top of the mountain and there he's transfigured before them. And they see him in all of his glory. His glory is so bright, shining from his face. And along with him appears Elijah and Moses. It was such a sweet place to be that one of the disciples said, maybe we should build three tabernacles here. But the Lord knew that wasn't the place for them to dwell. So soon he sends them back down the mountain. There he's got on the mountain. But as soon as they come down into the valley, the first thing that happens is they meet this individual and when he comes running to them, the man has a son that is a lunatic. Now that word lunatic is referring to a condition that he had. It comes from the base word moon saying that he was moonstruck. It was a word that they used for someone that had mental illness. Now I don't want you to misunderstand what that I'm saying tonight. All mental illness has, not all mental illness comes from demonic powers, but there are certain types of mental illness that is a direct result of possession of the devil. One is a disease based, it's physiological, that has nothing to do with the devil. You can face things and you can deal with mental illness and have it all of your life and the devil has nothing to do with that except he deceived man in the garden in the beginning and we're all under a curse, that's it. But there's others that they turn from God and open themselves up. And I wanna make this perfectly clear. If you throw God out and let the devil in, you'll lose your mind. You'll do things that's not, that, that's, that, that's not 
uh, of yourself. You'll do things that you never thought you would do or dreamed that you would do. You, re- you really don't know what you're capable of doing until you yield yourself to the power of the kingdom of darkness. And there is a certain facet. Now that's a great problem for us because sometimes it's hard to discern what is physical and what is spiritual. But in this case, the Lord was behind it and we know that immediately he recognized it that this was a spiritual battle. If the devil was cast out, then that would leave that young man. The only reason that he was that way and the only reason he was doing the things he was doing is because he was being controlled by this country. And let me tell you, by, by the devil, and let me tell you, this country is going down that same path. We have lost our ever-loving mind. I'm sorry. I know Facebook will cut us off. Let them cut us off. When you don't know if you're man, woman, dog, or cat, you got a problem. You got a problem. This is not... This is not just about identity. We lost our identity with God and our identity with Christ and that's why we're doing things we wouldn't normally do. When you get to the place that you have to put litter boxes in school bathrooms, you've got a problem. My question is, who cleans the litter box out? I better stop right there. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll do things that you wouldn't normally do. Any of us will. And as long as we put a stamp of approval on it and don't realize we're the real source of it, the battle today is not Republican against Democrat. It's right against wrong. It's God against evil, good against evil, God against Satan. We know that there's powers of light and powers of darkness and the powers of darkness tells us that they're going to overthrow us, but I've come with good news tonight. That's not the case. The Lord Jesus Christ has power over all things there's nothing that he's disturbed by or shaken up about he's still in control he's king of kings and lord of lords and soon and very soon he's going to look down at his church and say you've been through enough it's time to come home and the reason it is happening is the same reason that it happened here the disciples had lost power with God. Living with the Lord and losing power. They were still his disciples, but they didn't recognize the source of power. And here comes this man saying, here's my son. Some say it was, the activity was like a seizure. I don't know. But he was falling in the fire and falling in the water. Off times. Do you know how to tell if it's of the devil? You'll keep falling in the same stuff. If you don't get delivered from it, you'll keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And that's, that's the condition of this, this young man. And Jesus cast the devil out. And when the devil was cast out, he was cured immediately. Now, here's a simple thought for you. And I'm gonna try to cover this as quick as I can tonight. 
Have you ever been in a position where you felt like these disciples? And you ask yourself the question, Lord, why can't I do this? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why don't I see people healed? Pastors all the time, why can't we see people saved? Why, why, Why can't we be used of God. What, what's my problem? I, I've got a little preacher mobile I drive, a minivan. It's a rebuilt wreck. It's uh, five years old now. And it's still going strong. Praise God for that. But I remember when I got that rebuilt wreck, it only had just a few miles on it when I bought it. And when I drove it, everything was great. And it took them quite a while to get everything fixed on it until I could finally get it. So uh, we really made the agreement and then it was months before I got it. But when I finally got it then, uh, everything was great. I drove it, perfect. I wrote the check and took the title down, got everything changed over, everything's great. The first day that I had it, I pull in to a place of business, go inside, come back out, and it wouldn't start. It's brand new. And I immediately, you know, I think, well, I gotta figure out what's wrong with it. So I did what all good preachers do, opened up the hood and looked at it like I knew what I was looking for. (laughs) And I thought, there, there can't be anything major wrong with it. I just drove it from the house to here and it's running fine. There can't be anything wrong. And a friend of mine in a church that I'd preached at, he pulled up beside of me and he said, uh, you having problems, preacher? And I said, yeah. I said, I just got this vehicle. And, and I, I said, it won't do anything. He said, you care if I try? I said, no. He got in the car, he put the key fob in and turned it and Nothing. He said, well, that's something. He said, the lights are on inside when the doors are open. And he said, this is, this is new. I said, well, it's a rebuilt wreck, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a new vehicle. He said, yeah. He said, I can see. It didn't have hardly any miles on it at all. And I said, yeah, it run fine when I got it. And he walked around to the front and he said, let me take a look. And he said, uh, before we call AAA or do anything else, said, let me take a look to see. And... Uh, he said, if not, maybe you need to get it towed or something like that. And he went around. He came back and turned and it started fine. He said, I found the problem. And I said, what is it? He said, evidently the battery, they put a new battery in with the vehicle, probably had pulled the old battery when the individual bought it. And getting things back together, he said, they forgot to tighten up the cable to your battery. So he tightened it up and I said, isn't that something? All because of a loose connection, I had no power to start it. That's the way these men were. They knew Christ and they knew his power, but somehow they had lost connection. 
And there's some things that I don't know what you do when I feel like I can't seem to get anything to happen and I, I don't know what's going on here, but there's some things that I do if I'm, if I'm going to find out why, why can't this prayer be answered? Why can I see God move in this particular situation? Why am I stuck in this place? There's some things I do that are basic. Number one, I check up my life. You should check on your life with the Lord. Are you doing what he says to do? Are you obeying him? Check your life. Is your life pleasing to God? Can I say that everything's all right between me and the Lord? You know, it's easier to slip away than what we realize. And sometimes we've got to check our life and say, Lord, am I where I should be with you? Are you pleased with things that are going on in my life? And if things are all right in my life, the next thing that I check is that I check your promises, Lord. What I'm doing, is it in obedience to what you have promised in your word? God's not slack concerning his promises. The promises of God are yea. And you can stand on the word of God. God always will do exactly what he said in his word. But if I ever go into any kind of a battle, that was the problem. If these disciples would have known when they went in, the biggest problem they faced, they were trying to do it on their own, by their own word and not by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have the authority of his word, you can stand on his word and the word of God will always come to pass just the way God said it. Every battle in life, if you can claim the promise of God, God will see you through. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. But the key to that is we've got to find his word. The word of God has to be in us. We are now at a time in our history where we are scripturally illiterate. And people no longer know what thus saith the Lord. We're at a phase now where we would rather be entertained than enlightened from the word of God. We're at a phase where that we would rather feel good than feel faith as based on the word of God. And the truth of the matter is when you go out to fight the enemy, you better make sure you have the word of God. When Jesus came against Satan and Satan came against Christ and he tried to stop him and tempt him every time the Lord said it is written, it is written, it is written. We ought to know what the word of God says and find our promises and claim our promises and stand on the promises of God. I talked to a man today about his soul. He said, I'm in doubt. And he said, I can't seem to get assurance. And I said, well, do you believe what God said in his word? The truth of the matter is, if he said it, that's exactly what he'll do. We find the promises of God. Then also there's times that we've got to check our profession. Because sometimes we act like we're believing God. She's saying it tonight. Faith is easy when you're up on the mountain. But it's when you come down in the valley and the trials and the test comes. That's when you find out, do you really believe what God said or not? 
There's times that you have to reach a place in your life that you're saying, I don't have anything else to stand on but the word of God, but that's all that I need. If I have my faith in the Lord, he will take care of me. But now we're becoming such a fearful generation instead of a generation of faith that is based on the word of God, saying God will not fail me and God will fight my battle and the Lord will take care of all of it. Our lives should be anchored on the promises of God. It's not what you think. It's not how you feel. It's what God said in his word. And if by faith I reach out and take his word, he'll do exactly what he said he would do. Job said, the thing that I fear the most has come upon me. His profession was a profession of faith. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh. And that means that if you fill your heart with anything other than Christ and the word of God and speaking the word of God before long, the devil will see that and realize you're full, you're full of fear. They were faithless and therefore since they were a faithless generation, they were a weak generation as well. But if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing shall overcome him, nothing shall overwhelm him. He will do exactly what he said he'll do in his word. Faith. I think that you've got to check the arena that you're fighting the battle in. Only two areas that you can fight in, reason or faith. Since we've become such an intellectual society today, we've got to explain everything. But the truth of the matter is, with God, there's some things you can't explain. If you come to God, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've got to believe without faith, it is impossible to please God. God said, I don't want your intellect. If intellect could do it, then I would just pick the wise. But he said, I don't care how much knowledge you have. You may have 10 degrees. You may not have been in school one day in your life, but you could be a mighty warrior for God. If you're saying the battle is the Lord's, it's not mine. He's going to fight it. He's going to win it. I'm going to trust him with it. Reason and faith. He said, you're battling with your mind. You're not putting your heart and faith in me. When you do that and you trust the Lord, I don't care what the obstacle is, he can overcome it and he can help you, and he can give you the strength that you need. Then you need to check your fellowship. How close am I to the Lord? How much do I love spending time with the Lord? How much do I love being alone with God? How much do I love being with him in his word? How much do I love being with him in private times of worship and praise. Fellowship. Oh, it's been probably three weeks ago, an individual met me and said, you know, I really like the church. He said, I really like the church. And he said, if there was some way that you could get those folks to calm down. He said, I just don't like all of that noise. I don't like all of it. 
And I said, really? What's wrong with it? He said, well, it's of the devil. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, "Uh, so you believe shouting is of the devil? He said, yeah. I said, well, let me tell you something. Before I met the Lord, I lived for the devil. And when I lived for the devil, not one time did I shout. But since I met the Lord, all I can do is shout praise to the Lord. And I said, I'm not trying to change you, but you just will find you another church because I'm not interested in changing. I've come this far by faith and I wish we could get back to some basics that we understand we've got a place here for a little while that we can come and shut this world out and go into heavenly places with Christ Jesus and fellowship with the Lord and praise him for who he is and all that he does. Now you don't have to do that, but I'm not quitting. That's all a ploy of the enemy to try to take the shout out of the church. (laughs) They marched around Jericho for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around and they shouted. And the problem with a lot of people, they don't want to shout until the walls come down. But you got to put six days into it before you get there. They were living by faith and shouting the praises before it ever happened. You got to look at things as though they are. That's what God said. We don't look at it in the sense of right now. That means you've got to take your doctor's report and say, yeah, I know what it says, but I know too that the Lord's not finished with me yet. So I'm going to trust God and he's the one that's in control and he's the one that can take care of me. Fellowship. Our fellowship sometimes gets so sweet that we just can't help it. We can't contain it. Then I think we need to check up on our obedience. Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Why? Why? Now, maybe you're different than me. Why do we struggle so hard with obedience? I mean, there's certain things that I know there's some of you the same way because I counsel you all the time. The Lord will just ask for us to do the simplest little thing. And we fight it. When we know, we, we try to reason in our mind, we say, well, that... Is that of God or not of God? And when you sit down and think about it, do you honestly think that God is ever going to lead us any way contrary to his word? And do you think the devil is ever going to lead us to ever do anything good? (laughs) You know, God puts something on your heart and your heart begins to beat quickly. And you, you fight that and you fight that. You walk away and the Lord says, hey, see those people over there, buy their dinner. I don't know them, Lord. They'll think I'm crazy. Well, do it through the waiter or waitress. They don't even know who you are. (laughs) It's the devil that thinks you're crazy. But you don't know why God is doing that. Simple obedience. Just simple things in life. I got a call this week 
a fellow that I hadn't worshiped with him for several years. He called me up, he told me his name. I said, where he went to church? I said, yeah, I've held revivals there in your church. Man, it's great to talk to you, brother. Really good to talk to you. And he said, hey, I, I got a guy that's just been saved. He's got ALS. Said the only thing that he's got left, he has no movement in his body from his neck down. Said the other day he told me, he said, you know, there's one thing I'd like to do before I leave this world. Said, I'd like to meet Calvin Ray Evans. Boy, that melted my heart. If we could have gotten a car and went right then, we would have done it. But of course, you need to schedule with their schedules. So we, we couldn't get it done until today. And I went in at 11 o'clock. And when I went in at 11 o'clock into their home there, they welcomed me in. And, and he was just so kind. And he can still speak. You can understand everything perfectly. And, and he, he said, uh, man, I'm, I'm having a battle here. He, he told me what's going on and just, he'd just been saved. He talked about his salvation experience and talked about the Lord, the Lord lifting the sin from him. And he said, I know it sounds crazy. He said, I'm in this bed and I can't feel anything. He said, but I felt like my body was floating out of this bed. <laughs> Bless his heart. He said, there, there's something that happened. He said, you know, he, he actually, I can tell you, he got saved on 823, I believe it was, was when he got saved because he said all of his life, he'd look at the clock and every time that he'd see 823, he'd tell his wife, he'd say, that's a sign, that's a bad sign, 823. He said, something bad's gonna happen to me on 820. All of his life, he said, I always dread, every time I see it on a clock, I'd see it on a calendar. He said, I lived in fear of 823. And he said, do you know what? I got saved on 823. Isn't that great? I said, the, the Lord, he was trying to work on you saying the devil doesn't have the say. God has the say. He said, but he said, it sounds foolish and, and I hope that you don't think anything by this. I don't think it's foolish at all. You know, God gives dreams and God gives visions. And he said, when I got saved, he said, I imagine myself. He said, our neighbor's yard over here, they, there's a section between us and they have tall grass. He said, it's beautiful grass, but it's tall grass. And, and said, the deer come into that. And he said, I, I dreamed all of a sudden. It's like I could see myself in that field. I was laying in that grass and I wanted free. He said, but there's a little white picket fence that was on top of me, hold me down. And he said, the Lord was saying, I'll save you. And he kept saying, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't trust you. I, I don't know how, I can't get up. The Lord said, just trust me, come to me. And he said, I can't get up. He said, this picket fence, he said, a little tiny picket fence that was holding me down, said, I can't get up. And he said, that's the way I feel bound every day. And he said, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I saw two hands reach down, take hold of that fence and lift it up. And he said, I cried out to God and he he saved me, he saved my soul. I'm telling you, we had a hallelujah time. God has a way of showing us simple obedience. God will bless our obedience. Aren't you glad we were obedient last Wednesday night? Simple obedience. And then do we check up on our praise. Lord, do we thank you for what you do and who you are. Really, our praise is faith at work. When we get to the place that we feel like nothing's happening, it doesn't have to happen for us to praise God. Praise God as though it's already happened. We put his word in our heart 
his word comes out her mouth. I was thinking today and I thought, you know, one of these days, Lord, I don't want to do it in my will or my way. One of these days, I think I'm just going to pick a night one night and just say, everybody wants to just come on in. We're not going to have no singing, not going to have no preaching. We're just all going to come in here. And you know what we're going to do? We're just going to sit down and we're just going to praise God. About a half hour, hour. No, no complaining. <laughs> no complaining. No, no heartache, no focusing on all of the bad things. We're just going to come in, Lord, just thank you for who you are what you've done and given us a place like this we can just come sit down and praise and then when you're done you can just go home but I'm telling you God inhabits the praises of his people they were too concerned about their pride being broken that they couldn't do it looking foolish instead of saying if we relied on you Lord you'd have done it all along and he will do it. Do you have an impossible situation? Is the devil trying to make you waver? A double-minded person's unstable in all of their ways. Let not that person think they'll receive anything of God. Either he's all God or not God at all. We have to decide. Am I gonna trust you, Lord, or I'm gonna trust my ability? Am I going to give in to this? Am I going to lay down and cower down to this? Or am I going to say, Lord, I know the source of this battle. And I know you have power over it. Your heads are bowed throughout the sanctuary. And for just a moment, you look at your heart. If there is anybody that you feel defeated, You've had those times where you've been on the mountain and your faith is strong, but you feel your faith is weak. It's time for us to check the connection. We can't have a loose connection and do anything. You're here tonight and you say, preacher, I know. I need some power with God. Why is it so hard for us to say that? I need some power with God. Is there anybody here tonight that you need some power with God? You'd raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up. Somebody else. God bless you. God bless you. You need some power with God. God bless you. Young people, moms and dads. God bless you. Up in the balcony. God bless you. How many others? I need some power with God. God bless you. I, I feel like, I feel like that I'm seeking God, but like the connection is not as strong as it should be. Oh, it's strong enough to have the lights on inside. The dashboard would light up, but it's not strong enough to start the motor. A connection with God.